Hey friends, you're listening to OKY. I'm your host, Michael Grove. Today is February the 5th, and we're here in the Bible reading plan, reading through one chapter a day. This has been a fun time. Today, I have three friends with me once again, so you're going to hear from them in just a moment. But first, let's read together from the New International Version, Proverbs chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, How I hated discipline! How my heart spurned correction! I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone. Never be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sin hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. This concludes the reading of Proverbs chapter 5. Let me give you a few thoughts before we end our time together. Okay, once again, we are here joined with my daughter Aaliyah her good friends, Russo and Isaac. And we are going to just discuss this chapter together. So let's jump into this and see what we come up with. Okay, so my first guest today is Isaac. Isaac, tell us how old you are and how long have you been studying the Bible? Yeah, so I'm 15 and I've been studying the Bible for about a good year now um, and studying a lot of the Old Testament. Okay, why the Old Testament? Any reason? Yeah, so for me, I've discovered um, that the Old Testament really gives me a clearer um, and more valuable understanding of the New Testament and, and why Jesus is so significant. Yeah, you know what? People forget that all the time, so I'm proud of you for studying the Old Testament. As confusing as it might be at times, it actually is a beautiful setup for why Jesus, um, what God was planning to do, and why it was important for him to come for us. So proud of you for doing that. And if anybody out there is listening and they think, man, I don't want to read the Old Testament, I understand why, but I promise you, if you study it, you're going to learn something new about God every single time. Right, Isaac? Absolutely. Awesome. Hey, we also have with us today Ruzo once again. 
Ruzo, tell us your age and how long have you been studying the Bible? I'm 16 and I started taking the Bible seriously probably since last summer. Last summer, what made you suddenly start thinking, man, I want to understand the Bible? Well, so I serve at church, and because I serve, I wanted to really understand why am I doing what I'm doing and the foundation of why do I believe what I believe. Yeah, that's good. Do you feel like that's the, the studying of the scriptures has been helping you do that? Tremendously. It yeah. changes everything. It changes everything once you know the true meaning behind what you're saying and what you're doing. Yeah, and I'll just tell everybody out there right now, um, I've been studying the Bible for a long time, and I learn something new every time I truly study it. So just start somewhere, right? W would yes. you say that's the right thing to do? Just, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, um, the reason these guys are on this podcast with me today is they have a regular Bible study of their own that I'm super impressed with and just want to hear from them a little bit as we uh, look at these scriptures together. So... Also have, once again, my daughter, Aaliyah, with us. And so, Aaliyah, just tell us how old you are and how long you've been studying the scriptures as well. I'm 17 years old, and I've been studying for three years and, like, this past year more seriously. What made you, this year, decide to study it more seriously? Um, I became a little bit more serious with my faith and wanting to know more about Jesus on my own instead of, like, my parents, like you, <laughs> um, and just having my own faith. Hey, super proud of you for saying that, actually, because I don't want you to have my faith. I want you to have your own. And everybody out there listening, please remember, it's important for you to figure out just what God is saying to you and how you understand who he is. Don't live off of somebody else's, including your parents, understanding of God. So not to put you on the spot or anything. Actually, yes, I am going to put you on the spot. Okay. Uh, can you just share with us one thing that you've learned that now is part of your faith and not mine or your mother's faith? I've learned more about what Jesus means to me and how he saved me specifically. That's good. So you're saying that you have an understanding that you needed him as your own savior, not just that we needed you to need him? Yes, because now I know that I needed a personal relationship for him to save me. That's good. It's an understanding that he died for you personally, and that's why you have life. So great stuff, guys. So glad you're on this show with us today. Um, we are going to jump into Proverbs 5. Now, I just want to say up front, a lot of you probably have in your Bibles uh, different seg segments or headings that kind of lean towards marriage and the conversation about marriage. But Please know that when King Solomon is writing this, marriage isn't what he's necessarily talking about. In fact, all throughout the Proverbs, when he talks about a woman, he is actually talking about wisdom. He's relating them together. So I don't know what the topic at the top of your Bibles say, but it probably says something about women. What, what about you guys? What's at the top of yours? What's the heading for chapter five here? Mine says, avoid immoral women. Okay, so we might take this as talking about um, marriage and women who are promiscuous or are uh, just not, not in alignment with what he's saying, but that's not what this is about. He's actually talking about wisdom. And so when he says avoid immoral women, what is actually being said is to avoid the things that don't lead you to godly wisdom. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so we're going to talk about that because this whole proverb here is actually about making sure we follow the way that's wise. Mm. So it's, this isn't so much about marriage. It's not about women. It's about wisdom. 
you might be thinking, well, why did he write this about women to sound like that? Do you, you ever thought about that as we were reading it? Yes. It's kind of confusing, right? Very. Okay. Well, it's because he's relating it to something that we can all understand. And that's physical relationship, the attractiveness of other people. He's trying to give us the, uh, the magnitude of what this really looks like to seek after wisdom and how easy it is to be drawn away from wisdom. So let me start there for you guys. We seem to live in a day and age where there are so many things around us that um, we can learn from, that we can, we can get our understanding from. The problem with that is we're constantly learning from things that have nothing to do with God. What's some things you see people kind of get drawn towards that they, uh, they're learning from and they're gaining their wisdom from, but it's not godly wisdom, so it's actually wrong wisdom. Yeah, so I would say um, one of the things, we just came off of a 21-day prayer and fasting, and so um, for me, I was also fasting social media, and one of the things that I noticed is when I came back to that is um, immediately we are we always have many voices that are speaking to us and telling us what to go, what to do, where to go. Um, well, what's, what's the problem with that? Because don't you want people speaking into your life? Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we take... Um, advice from people, but not necessarily the right people. Um, okay, so it's more about the people and who it is that's speaking into your life than the amount of people. Absolutely. Okay, so how do you know the right voices to listen to? Yeah, I would say the right voices, um, I would say somebody that is that you know has a personal relationship with the Lord that is rooted, um, because it's, we live in a day and age where it is so easy to speak your mind and say whatever you feel like. Um, Which we see on social media all the time. A hundred percent. And I think that so a good leader or somebody that is going to speak into your life is somebody that is rooted in the word, that somebody that will give you advice, but biblically, or be able to back that up biblically. Okay. So, and let me ask this to Russo. Um, Russo, Isaac just said that we need to know the person, their faith a little bit. Now, inside of that, we can't truly know all these pastors that are speaking on social media. The, yet there's this huge craze of, do you listen to this person? Do you follow that person? Do you think there's a little bit of danger when we don't actually know their walk and we don't know them to constantly finding our source of life through them? Yes. And I would say this has a lot to do with your own personal relationship with the Lord that gives you discernment. Discernment. That's kind of a that's kind of a big word. Can you explain to us what you mean when you say it's your own discernment? What does that come from? What does that look like? Yes. So discernment comes from the Holy Spirit and Discernment means whatever you're letting into your life, whatever you're listening, the people around you, how does it align to the word of God or how is it not aligning to the word of God? And that will. Um, so you're saying the word of God, that's that's kind of a key part. Yes. I mean, you've said that a couple of times mm -hmm. um, in order for us to have discernment. What does it take first? It takes a personal relationship with the Lord and to have the Holy Spirit within and you. What was the piece you just kept saying, though? I want to the make word sure of we, God. The Word of God. You cannot have discernment without the Word of God. Yes. Am I right? Yes. Okay. So, and I think that's part of what King Solomon is trying to say here. Um, he says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ears to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. So he's, he's giving his own word because remember back then he didn't have the full scriptures, mm -hmm. right? So he knew the words of the Lord. Um, and now he's telling his own people, 
Hey, listen to knowledge. Listen to where um, life comes from. And yes. we cannot have discernment if we don't have a source of life. Yes. And the Bible is the only objective source of life, right? Yes. And so what I mean by that is uh, it's the only thing that is truth outside of where culture's at. It's the only thing that's truth outside of where um, people's desires are, which gets us into what he's talking about. Okay. It's going to get a little crazy. You guys ready for this? Mm -hmm. Because he says, for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Here's what he's saying. That this, um, remember, he's using woman to try to help us understand and illustrate the depths of wisdom. And just like an adulterous woman, what is her job? Well, it's to pull somebody away from what is supposed to be right. Yeah. Okay. And he's saying the, the, the lips of the woman drip honey. Now, honey is something very sweet that they understood. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew days, they would put honey on the lips of the children when they read the scriptures so that they would taste and hear, and they would understand how sweet it is to hear the word of the Lord. Mm. And so it was to bring them into this spot of understanding the beauty behind the scriptures. And so when he's saying the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, what he's saying is people can see and taste and think that it's sweet, that it brings life, when really it's an adulterous woman. Now listen yeah. to what he's saying. Her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought of the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Listen to that part again. But she does not know it. Okay, so I want to talk about Christian culture for a minute. Okay, so I'm not asking for the rest of the world. We can obviously look at the rest of the world and realize they're not chasing after God's wisdom. But I tend to believe there's actually something inside of Christian culture where we don't even understand we are chasing after something that isn't God's plan. In fact, we're finding value and worth in things that are outside of God's wisdom, and we don't even realize it. And so what we're doing is we're following this adulterous woman. We're chasing after her paths that he just said wander aimlessly, and she does not know it. Aaliyah, is there anything inside of Christian culture that you would say we chase after, and it's not even life-giving? Yeah, I think, for example, like success and money. We have a false version of like what that means. Okay, explain that a little bit because we were just driving down the road a minute ago and you <laughs> saw that pink Bronco, uh -huh. okay, which I know you want one even though it's not going to be pink. But anyway, um, we as Christians, do you think we can look at that and we can see how somebody uh, lives their lifestyle and if they have a nice car, if they have a nice house, do you think we give into thinking that's successful? Yeah, I think it's easy to see people have what we want and say, like, that's success if we get what we want. Okay, so it's this constantly being driven towards getting what we're wanting. Yeah. Okay, that's exactly what Solomon's talking about here. That's why he relates it to a woman. He's saying, when you chase after what you want, you don't even realize you're being drawn away. And so instead of chasing after the things you want, which, by the way, there's a great theologian named Selena Gomez. She says... <laughs> The heart wants what the heart wants, right? And actually, she stole that from Emily Dickinson that said the heart wants what the heart wants or else it does not want at all. In other words, it's not alive if it's not chasing after something, right? And so God designed us to want something. Why? Because we're drawn towards him then, okay? Mm -hmm. So when we're chasing after all these things, 
Aaliyah, how does that distract us from being able to chase after God? Like everybody wants something, don't they? Um, yeah, but then when we're um, like chasing after specific things, we can prioritize them over chasing after Jesus. Okay, because it's probably pretty easy to see something that you want and just put all your energy and effort towards yeah. it. Yeah. How do you think that affects our relationship with God, though? Um, because when we're putting things above him, then we're not like constantly seeking a relationship with him. And so we're going to get like farther away from God. So when you say that, it sounds like you're saying it takes work for us to chase after God. It doesn't just happen naturally. Yeah. Okay. Because it's just like everything else, right? Like the things that we want, like if I want to be healthy and strong, it takes me work. I got to mm-hmm. go to the gym. I got to yeah. eat right. When actually I'd like to go over there and eat some of those cookies that <laughs> mom just made, right? But instead, I got to do the work to say, man, I'm going to do the right thing. And you're saying it's the same thing with our relationship with God. Yeah. How do you prioritize chasing after God? Is there any disciplines you do to say, um, I'm not going to get so worried about what everybody else is doing or thinking, and I'm just going to take the time to focus on God? Um, yeah, I think it's important to like create habits um, to like I read the Bible in the morning before I open my phone. And so it's like I'm chasing God before like social media. OK, that's good. So instead of putting that stuff in your mind right away of what mm-hmm. you see on social media, you're making sure to find the true source of life and yeah. chase after it yeah. first. Yeah, that's so good. That's a practice probably we all need to do a little bit different and better. <laughs> um, and so everybody listening out there would encourage you open your Bible before you open your phone. That's a good one. Isaac, what about you? Tell me uh, something that that you know for sure Christian culture tends to chase after instead of chasing after the wisdom of God. Yeah, so I would say for many Christians that we actually, um, I think one of the things that is very um, up and coming right now is validation. Um, I think a lot of Christians, we say that we um, we're loved by God and that he's our, he's our father and all of these different things. Yet we still seek some type of validation from the world, from our friends, um, people that kind of might make fun of us or something like that for what we believe. So I would say validation is huge. Yeah. Validation. So when you say validation, can you kind of explain what that means in case somebody's wondering like, what, what does he mean when he says validation? Yeah. So absolutely. So I would say when I think of what God is like, I think of uh, automatically when I, when you said that, I think of the Israelites, right? And going back into scripture in Second Samuel, um, the Israelites were called to be a set apart. They were called, he says, God says, be holy because I am holy. Well, then the Israelites later in Second Sa- or in Second Samuel, um, they're like, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. We want to be like them. And God says, no, like I'm, I'm your, I'm your king. I'm actually the one that's been fighting your battles all the time for you. And so automatically they forget about their what their purpose is. They were called to be set apart. And I think sometimes we seek validations because of a lack of understanding of our purpose. Yeah, which is almost a lack of understanding of who God says we are. Yeah. And it's interesting. Do you remember why God said you don't want a king? What did he tell them? Do you remember? He said this. He said, if you get a king, he's going to tax you. He's going to take your land. He's Mm going to cause your sons to go to war. He's going to take everything that is good. Do you really want a king? And yet they still kept saying, yes, we do. And why? Mm -hmm. You just said so. Because everybody Mm -hmm. else has one. Yep. That's what Solomon's talking about again here. He's saying, look, you're going to see these things. You're going to be drawn to it. When he talks about not going into the streets and, you know, letting the water from your well flow, he says, drink water from your own cistern 
running water from your own well should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares. He's talking about, do you really need to get that wisdom from what everybody else is doing and everybody else is saying? Yet that's how we get validated. Yeah. Why is that? Why do you think we so much want to be like everybody else in order to feel like we have this purpose or this validation? Yeah, I would say we feel the need for validation because um, I think we we just we are naturally driven to to want acceptance by people. If people don't like us, then it's like oh, that makes us feel bad or something like that. And so I think our we're naturally driv- driven to want validation um, because we want to feel like we think everybody else feels right. But exactly. let's be honest, mm-hmm. we look at people. And we don't even understand what they're walking through. Yeah. And so we want validation to be like them when deep down inside, Mm -hmm. we don't know how they're feeling. Absolutely. Especially when we talk about these social figures and even the Christian social figures that are struggling and battling. And yet we're looking at them saying, I want to be like them. Why did they have? And I need that. When in reality, they have their own set of things they're walking through also. Don't you agree with that? You think that's kind of where people are at? Oh, 100%. So how do we battle this? What's, what's a way that we can prevent ourselves from seeking out the validation of people and being able to seek out the validation of the Lord? Do you have any thoughts towards that? Um, I would say because it's a, it's a very real thing. I think um, a lot of Christians on a daily basis, they, they struggle with validation and wanting to be accepted. Um, um, and so I think it's um, being, building your foundation on the Word of God. Um, what I mean by that is like, we talk about this all the time. Um, but if you're, if you're from, from your foundation is built on how people view you, you have an emotionally driven foundation. So what, and so if you're, your foundation and some of us, we think that, Oh, we think that we are, um, we, we go to church and we're like, my foundation is in the Lord. He's my, we're seeing Christ is my firm foundation. Right. And then but then when somebody says something about us and they're like, oh, like, I actually don't like you, right? We get hurt and we start to make that our identity. Oh, this is how I feel, right? Because our our foundation was never built truly in the Lord and on his word. It was built on people and how they viewed us. And so I think we really, uh, a step to take, a practical step is to sit like where, you're, where you are and say, what have I built my foundation upon? in reality and like be real with yourself i would say is what have what have what have i built my foundation upon i would say that's a great which is which is so interesting because you started to not sing but you started to say the song we sing christ is my firm foundation yeah yet what you're talking about is such a fragile foundation right so we go from this firm foundation to man i want to be validated by this fragile foundation of people that are already fractured and hurt themselves. We want them to validate us instead of the rock, right? And so we got to be really cautious to say, man, my validation comes from the Lord. And you brought it back to the scriptures again. So you think the scriptures is how we get validated by the Lord? I would say absolutely. Yeah, because in his word are the ways of life. Yeah. So uh, Solomon's saying, man, no knowledge and know where to get it. Understand it and don't be drawn away by this adulterous thing, right? Yeah. That's so good. Hey, Ruzo, your turn. I would love to hear from you. What do you think is at the root of all these problems? Why is it that we need validation from others? Why is it that we chase after the world's view of success? What is? What do you think is the problem here? 
I think the problem is the lack of knowledge of our identity. We don't know who we are so much that we need other people to tell us who we are. And we don't even love ourselves and we don't understand God's love for ourselves. So we need to know that other people love us to feel loved. So that makes us constantly like chase after their approval. Yes. What's the harm in that? Like, I want to be loved by people. Is there something wrong with that? The harm in that is you're putting your value on other people's words. And a lot of times other people's words is manipulation and it's not even coming from the right heart because like, especially with hookup culture, when they're trying to get you for more than who you are, which is your body, they're going to say all these nice things to you to get you in that way. You know what I mean? And this is all to appeal to your feelings because it feels good in the moment. And that's exactly what sin is. Sin is uh, satisfaction and an instant pleasure, but comes with shame and guilt right after. Yeah. That's how sin works. Yeah. So I've, I've heard this said before that sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go, cost you more than you ever thought it would cost you. Mm. Like in there's, there's the only way out of that is to turn towards God's wisdom and yes. say, man, I want to, I want to know what's the right thing. Yeah. And remember, Romans 12, 2 says that God's plan is good and pleasing mm. and perfect. Yes. Like there's no other plan as good as God's. Yeah. So why chase after somebody else's plan? That's good. And again, it comes down to what King Solomon is saying, because it looks good elsewhere. Yeah. And we have to train our eyes, train our hearts to be able to chase after the things of God above all else. And also it comes from having our priorities all messed up because we're prioritizing how we feel in our own emotions instead of, you know what, I'm going to follow God's will, even though it may be harder because God's will is going against our own flesh, which yes, can be hard, but in the end it is worth it. Yeah. And you said it's going against our own flesh. I think the thing for us to remember, it's not always the attack of the enemy. Yes. Satan has plans out there and he puts plans in motion that actually just feed our flesh. Yes. But the problem is our flesh is already drawn towards things that are not of God. Mm. And so we have two battles. We have the battle of the enemy who's mm. created these systems and these processes and these things that we're going to be drawn to. But then we also have our flesh, which is drawing us towards those things. So we have to stop and say, what's the right thing? And that just reminds me of the verse in Matthew 16, where it talks about Jesus saying, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah. What does it mean to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus? Do you have any idea what that means? So that means exactly like going against your own desires. Yes, maybe every day you desire to eat candy and sit on the couch all day, but you know that's not good for you. So you're denying your own desires daily because you know at the end of the day that's going to lead you in a wrong, sinful, away from God path. Yeah. Now, here's here's the tricky part. God gives us desires, right? Yes. And we should have desires. But we have to have the right heart first. Mm -hmm. I think back to what David said in Psalm 37. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We like to think God's just going to give us our desires. That's not how it works. If he gave us our desires, we would end up in trouble. But if we delight ourselves in him first, Mm -hmm. then he can give us those desires because we want what God wants at that moment. All right, guys, this has been awesome conversation, but we got we to gotta land this plane. There's a lot to talk about, and, um, but I want to hear from you. If there's 
one thing that you know in your life, and this doesn't have to be too personal and too deep, but something that you know could easily distract you from chasing after God and could put the wrong things first. What is it? And what's something that you can do to say, I'm going to put this right. I'm going to get the first things first and not let that control me. What might it be? Aaliyah, do you have something? Yeah. So for example, I struggle with comparison on social media. Um, And so like I was saying before, I try to open the Bible first before opening my phone in the morning. Um, And when I do that, I'm like hearing God's word. That's the first thing that I hear. That's the first person I talk to is the Lord. Um, And if I were to open my phone and be on social media first, then that's something that I can like think about the rest of the day is comparing myself with other people that I see on social media or hearing like what they're saying. So do you really think that if you were to look at social media first, that would affect your whole day? Or do you think just a real quick moment and then I'm over it? I think it would affect my whole day because if there was like a girl that I looked at and I was like, oh, she's so pretty. Then the rest of the day, looking at myself, I could be comparing myself to her on like any time throughout the day. Or if you see they're on another vacation or Mm, they got a brand new whatever, like you start thinking about that the rest of the day. Right. And then you get stuck in this spot of I'm not good enough. I'm Mm. not I don't have those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you protect yourself of those. I think that's super important, not just for you, but for all of us. Mm -hmm. We got to remember Focus on the first thing first. Make sure God's that first thing in the morning to set our day right. That's good. Isaac, what about you? What's something that you know this could easily distract me, so I'm going to put a guardrail there for me? Yeah, so for me, the guardrail would be to constantly renew my mind daily in the Word of God. Um, Similar to what Leah said, but each and every day before, um, I have to go and hear what other people say. Um, So that, I think, is just building your foundation in the Word of God and always continuing to check your heart um, to what our purpose is. What what do you think happens if you don't wake up and renew your mind? What What's going to happen the rest of the day for you? Yeah, you're always going to be, you're going to be emotionally um, confused. You're always going to be thinking, well, what does this person say about me? What does she think about me? Um, and true wisdom is saying, what does the Lord think about me and how am I pleasing the Lord? Yeah, that's so good because that's that's really what, at the end of the day, our goal should be, how do I know the Lord more and how do I make sure I'm in alignment with his word, right? Absolutely. Because that's where true life comes from. And if I'm constantly finding life from other sources, it actually is what Solomon's saying. It leads to destruction, right? So we have to stay focused. That's so good. Ruzo, how about you? What is something that you know, could easily distract you, but you've got guardrails where you're going to say, nope, not today. I'm going to stay focused on the Lord. So for me, the biggest distraction was definitely social media. And it was just taking up my time, my mind, everything about it was just toxic in the way that I was using it and what was going into my life. So the guardrails that I put was just cutting it off completely because I found that that was the best way for me. And it opened up so much more time on my hands to just use it for the Lord and spending time with him. And also I've realized that while not having social media, I truly feel like I'm living my own life instead of living other people's lives through the screen or watching other people live their lives, you know? And so this just helped me tremendously to focus on the Lord completely. So I just want to kind of jump in for one second because social media itself, is it evil? No. Okay. So it's more how we use it and how we view it, right? Yes, completely. Okay. So what's something guardrail wise that can help somebody understand, hey, social media is fun. You can interact with people, but 
do this? What would you say mm. is that that one thing? Um, one thing could be time limits. You could set up on your phone if you're if you find yourself spending hours and hours uncontrollably, mindlessly scrolling, then that would be a good thing. And also. Um, reflecting how are you feeling after you go on social media? Do you feel low? Do you feel bad? Do you feel like you're degrading yourself in your mind? How is that making you feel? And what is making you feel like that? Is it certain accounts you're following? Is it certain things you're seeing that's making you have those thoughts? And just also knowing and being mindful, what am I consuming while I'm being on social media? And is it helping me or is it not? That's good. That's good. And feelings are indicators. So when we feel a certain way, we're not supposed to lean into them as in that's facts and this is my life, but they should indicate something to us and they should help us understand something's out of alignment. Yes. So those feelings are helpful. And I love what you said. If you're feeling a certain way after social media, something's not in alignment. Mm -hmm. Stop, assess it, figure out what it is and then find the right way to handle it. Yes. So good. Hey, you guys have been awesome today. I'm so thankful that you were with with us in this conversation. And to everybody that's been listening, thank you for staying tuned this whole time. Remember, the truth is we have to seek out God's word. It should be the thing that drives us and helps us understand him better. And if we don't, we're going to get led astray. We don't even realize it's happening. So stay focused on God, follow his words, and let him keep you from the adulterous way. Again, not talking about a woman talking about following wisdom that doesn't come from the Lord. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. It's been awesome. Thank Thank you so much. Yeah, these guys are great. Hey, that's all the time we have left for today. I love you and God bless.